Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. And we have a guest with us in the studios this week. It's our good buddy, Chris Borland. How's it going, guys? Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good. Yeah. Long time, long time no see, guy. You mean like just like uh, less than a week ago? Well, well, for for listeners of the show, it's a long time, Chris, that we have we haven't had on, had you on the show. How's that? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it has yeah, been a while, but it, yeah, it's good to be back. Right. So, so uh, for those who are uh, new to Chris visiting the show, we will often refer to him as Captain Chris. He's also a guest star on Klingons and Dragons, one of our sister shows that we haven't had a a new episode for a while. Uh, Dennis, I blame you for that. So. Uh, he's also our one of our our Star yep, Trek yep. Uh, fans, right, Chris? That's right. I love Star Trek. So. And I know I know we we hardly ever talk about Star Trek on this show, so sometimes we need to have a, a professional. Almost, almost never. In fact, yeah, almost never. Uh, almost never. So we got we had uh, we had a big thing this last weekend, guys. Um, that we're going to talk about this time. It's uh, Gen Con, which was the what's it called Geneva Convention. Right, but it's not actually Geneva anymore. Held in the beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. It's four days of gaming, the largest board game convention in the world. I think it's the world now. Yes, still. It yeah. started in it started in Geneva, Wisconsin, which is why it's called that, not to be confused with the the historic Geneva Convention. Oh, convention correct. Right. Right, right. I guess that's that fair. Correct. It is Geneva, Wisconsin. That's right. I guess wow didn't even think I, about because I one. think I think the original the the first couple of years they did a lot of war gaming and so it was sort yeah. of thematic right with what they were what they were doing uh, but now it's it's not in I didn't Wisconsin know it's in Indianapolis so we saw I saw a, there was a booth at Gen Con for those that that don't know it's a mm-hmm. it's it's too hard to go into but one main feature of Gen, this convention is that they have a a really massive room with a lot of dealers and vendors and sellers and resellers of, of game board games and different things in artwork. One of these booths had, it looked just like a little janky booth that you could walk around in. No big deal. Not nice or anything. It had to be like a local game store or something. And they had super expensive, rare items just sitting out there for you to grab and walk in with, you know, what having your hand and walk around with. One of them was hmm. one of the, one of Gygax and Arneson's first, um, like printings of uh, TSRs, which is uh, was it Tactical Rule Simulations, what he called his company for Dungeons and Dragons. One of the first printings of it, it was like a fantasy war early, game. Early versions of for D&D. wow, yeah. yeah, I was like I missed oh. that. It was eight hundred dollars. That was was that thing, whoa. and it's in shrink wrap and whoa, stuff. Whoa, whoa. So he, uh, but it was just sitting there, like sitting on the like a little hangy thing, and you pick, people pick it up, toss it around. Hey, look at this, no big deal. <coughs> it was wow. crazy. They had a uh, like that a was crazy. Dragonlance board game from the eighties too, and which has only had ever had like one printing and over a hundred and fifty dollars oh. just sitting there, no big deal. Pretty cool. Anyway, uh, so how how what do you guys think? Did you have a good time? You got you guys were both very close to downtown, like four blocks from the convention, right? Two, two, holy oh, yeah. Room. This was uh, I can maybe Chris can speak more to this because he he organized it but we've you know we talk about this every year and a couple of years a couple of years ago well we haven't had Gen Con for two years and then uh, we didn't do this last year or last time I should say but we did the time before did we do it twice maybe we only did it once our, our big uh, at Gen Con 
uh, sort of live recording. I know we talked mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. doing it the first year. It was sort of our, would have been our inaugural episode, right. but we weren't right. really prepared. That was would have been back in like 17. Um, but yeah, we had a we had an Airbnb. We also had, oh, a little over half our normal our normal crowd. We had six. Yeah, there were only, only six two, of us three, this time. Four, five, six, yeah. yeah, six of us in the house. I know, Michael, you weren't uh, you weren't with us there because you had your daughter with you. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we had we had an Airbnb, really nice. Um, and what like like three blocks from the convention center? Yeah, yeah I think it was really it only was, two. Uh, it, it was like we it, it I, took us. There were long blocks. Like you go through, and you, long, you, but, you cross yeah. a couple a couple big. I know that I was a little disappointed because there were bird and lime you know rental scooters everywhere Everywhere. and our distance to our distance to the convention center or to the places we like to eat was never far enough to really justify getting those scooters i was Mm -hmm. like we're just we just walk over there it's so close (laughs) it would take longer to actually you know get get the scooter turned on with your you know with your app turned on and registered and all that yeah Yeah, exactly Yeah. yeah Uh, yeah, I, I was, I, I did my normal, I think I was at, at, a, at a friend's house and then we stayed at a hotel one night and we had, uh, uh, near the airport, which was 10 minute drive, I think. Um, but it was, and then I parked down IEPY about five blocks away. It wasn't too, too terrible except for, it's not too terrible when you're five blocks away. You know, you just, you know, it is what it is. But, um, when you get all the way down to the convention and then your daughter says, Oh, I forgot my mask. And you're like, Oh, oh no. And it was the, no, no, no. It was the last yeah. day when, you know, you're already running a little bit late and it's starting to be hot that day already 80 degrees. And you're like, Oh my God. All right, here we go. Yeah. It was warm. So it was, that was a little bit of a disappointment. So anyway, it, it was, it, you know, it wasn't too bad. Um, it was for those listening, wondering about how, uh, COVID protocols were different. Uh, I guess we can talk about that just for a minute. Um, one, we had to wear masks, right? Everybody, I think yep. it felt like yeah, everybody mm-hmm. all the time. I, I felt everybody had their masks on properly, even right. It, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I almost, I almost never. I think we played one table game where a guy it kept slipping under his nose, and yeah. they had tables. Yeah. They had like break tables where we. I was walking through uh, with our buddy Fox, and I'll maybe elaborate on that later. But at one point, he was like. It's interesting how people seem to have decided that if they're sitting at a table, that's a that's a fine no mask zone. And then we saw signs that were like, "Here's a here's a break a mask break area. You mm-hmm. can sit and right. you know if you're with people you know, uh, you know take your mask off for a while, have some food or drink or whatever." And then, um, yeah, I think they originally had more complicated guidelines um, in terms of whether or not people were vaccinated and they were going to maybe check cards and give people wristbands. And then about a month or six weeks before the con, they just changed it to a blanket. Everybody, when you're inside or in crowded outdoor areas, wears a mask, which yeah. I, it's whatever. That's a whole, we don't have to get into that whole conversation, no. but just from a organizer, like, in quote unquote enforcement standpoint, I understand that decision because it's much, much simpler. Just like, right. yeah. Hey, you're inside, put, put your mask. And they, I didn't even really see any of that because, uh, you know, everybody oh. that I saw was, was complying. And in, in a lot of cases, kind of taking advantage of it with a, you know, kind of nerdy 
masks and stuff. That's yeah, another they, thing Fox said to me at one point. He's like, I kind of, I feel kind of like not disappointed. I forget the word he used, but he's like, I should have worn a geekier mask yeah. than my just normal, right. normal like gray or black uh, uh, sort of mask. Like take advantage of have a Starfleet logo on it or something. Yeah, I, I took a break at one point, uh, went over to one of the hotels and was like 300 feet away from everybody. Like there was nobody in this long hallway and I took my mask off just mm. to take a break and I was looking at my phone and didn't even notice, but one of the organizers walked up to me and said, can you please put your mask on? Oh. And I'm like, there was nobody around me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, why isn't this Jeez. a designated mask? So I'm like, right. we did... Right. I did, I had, I had, um, from my experience, there, there wasn't a single person that I played with or that I noticed in the, in the huge exhibit hall didn't have a mask. I never felt, I mean, I've been to a lot of places since then that I didn't feel uncomfortable about having closed, you know, since this whole pandemic thing started, mm -hmm. even post vaccine time that, that I feel even locally, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, let's not go into here because of that, uh, type stuff. You know, Gen Con had a lot of people, but I didn't feel that way just because I think everyone was there was was just masked and fine with it. We all had conversations and talked and joked and had a good time yeah. with strangers, just, you know, conversations and we were masked and it was, it was kind of nice. Now I did do what you said, Chris, I went, uh, me, my buddy, Dave, my buddy, Bill, uh, he's on the show, Bill, friend of the show. And, uh, Sydney mm -hmm. went into like a corner where they've got a sit down lounge area and we did take our masks off over there cause it was just us. And nobody, we, thankfully nobody came and, and talked to us about it. That's kind of, Weird because we were right by the, the the you know ticketing will call area. Figured they would have seen mm. us, but mm. um, yeah. But there was nobody, like you said, Chris. There was like nobody anywhere. It was it was yeah. later in the evening. Um, right. But yeah, so that's just for people who were like you know I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like I wonder how they do conventions in a thing. And you know it, we've talked about being safe a little bit on the show and your own personal choices and how that makes it to be. And we're we're not getting political about it, but it's you know it's it's good to know. Everyone makes their decisions, and that's kind of something with uh, the Gen Con thing. We had a, as we might talk about through this this episode, there was, you know, it was a smaller crowd, right? It's for, for a lot of reasons. People don't want to come. Mm -hmm. They don't feel comfortable. They don't feel comfortable with the masks or vaccination or whatever that reason might be. It does lead, to obviously, to a, a, a smaller crowd. Um, and yeah, then, and, they, and they published the guidelines, so I think any yeah. of, any people who had whatever kind of issues with, with that policy just didn't come, mm -hmm. just didn't spend the money on the badge yeah. and, and, you know, travel and everything and just stayed home, which is, or, or people that's, that, that's that do have yeah. the, like, the, or like they, they are for pro masks or for pro whatever still felt that like, well, even, even those measures in that many people aren't comfortable for me. So I'm not going to come like, you know, it just, yeah. there was just sure, reasons sure. that people okay. can make. Um, but the, those that decided to, to make that, that choice. Um, and it, it, was pre it felt really positive. It really did. Not because of any kind of mask or COVID stuff, but it felt like, you know, a good, everybody was there. Like it, it wasn't even a thought. It was just, we're, we're playing games I, I, and I mean, we're having a good time. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked it. It gave me a good reason to print the, the steampunk mask that I did. So, oh yeah. Your mask you know, was yeah, cool. You had a really yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. You, you so properly cosplay. Right? Yeah. yeah. It was, it felt like. It was fun. Well. It didn't feel like a normal Gen Con, but it felt like a normal Gen Con with everybody wearing masks and also like 30 to 40% less crowded, which is 
kind of what yeah. I've wanted from Gen Con sure. for the last 10 years. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm like, even I'm like, with them we, reducing it, it I don't, was still not crowded. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. It would, yeah, there were still times when it was a little bit crowded. Like, I don't want to exclude people, right? I don't want anybody to not be able to come and have sure, fun, but right. I'm like, I also don't want to be like, bumping into people all day yeah yeah, I, yeah saturday wasn't terrible like usually it's just yeah. one massive line right, and right. you could, can't get away and it wasn't as bad i agree with so, that too it, it was yeah. the 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 vendor hall was the most no i think for me was the most noticeable change because there was always still a goodly amount of people in the main hallway areas um and the mm-hmm. even the the big massive board game hall was still a lot of people in general Less for sure, but a lot of people, but the, um, it was the vendor hall that really noticed the change in size, mainly because I think a third of it was gone, right? Would you say about a third of it wasn't, you know, yeah, several, yeah, several notable, uh, not necessarily, I guess vendors is the right word, but several like public vendors were absent, um, or, or had much diminished, like, yeah, big ones that were gone. Normal. Yeah, yeah, and, and and along with them, not just the big ones, but even booth space of small ones. Like there's, the, you know, you get mm-hmm. a lot of small ones, right. and that makes up space too. And art artists, there's the art row wasn't as big. Um, it 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 did feel like it was. Oh, here, I, I mean, I thought the artist row was bigger, but uh, I, I maybe I don't I don't visit I think, it enough. But I think the artists were more spread out than they normally. Yeah, they're are, definitely so, more spread yeah. out. Yeah. That that was another thing too it is that the, like there were the booths were really much more spread out for the most part, and definitely the aisles mm-hmm. were wider. Yes, so I hardly mm-hmm. ever had a time where there was crowding. Now I think towards the front of the, the exhibit hall, that r- row where you first walk in all the time was always crowded, but you could easily just avoid it, mm. right? You could just not right. walk down yeah. that edge. Um, so I yeah, noticed I noticed it from that standpoint, like you said, Dennis. I wasn't bumping into people trying to get to my booth and people hitting my backpack. And mm-hmm. but I did I did miss um, a couple things that were were big there. Is I missed some staple vendors that I always like to go to, like Troll and Toad and Cool Stuff Inc. All the cool stuff was there. It was just Magic and Magic the Gathering and Pokemon. Yeah, those are those are big like um, uh, not publishers, but like sellers. I guess retailers yeah. is the best. Like. I think of Cool Stuff Inc. as like the Amazon of yeah. of board games. Like yeah. they usually have pretty good prices on stuff, and they had their, as you said, their their card buying and selling booth where they do Magic and Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh, and all that yeah. stuff. But they their their other booth where they have board games was not there, and also mm. big um, a couple of big notable publishers I didn't see like Fantasy Flight yeah. or or Asmodee. Yeah. It's a big a big thing. I didn't see uh, Days of Wonder or Mayfair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. I think Mayfair yeah, might, might be part of Asmodee now, but yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, none there of Pisa, Pisa so, wasn't I mean, there. There were still <laughs> there were still others like board game tables. I've mentioned a couple times in the last year because mm, I've bought a yeah. bunch of their their games and their bags, and they had a big booth. Um, Paizo that makes Pathfinder. They were there, um, and. WizKids has been picking up more. They're making a bunch of um, like official uh, Wizards of the Coast licensed quote unquote miniatures. Yeah, I call them miniatures, but they have like the Tiamat dragon, which is like the size of a football. The thing is, I'm like, I 
I guess it's a miniature. If it oh know, no, it's a there, dragon, there was a bit. There was a bigger like, one. There's a that's huge. Yeah, the, there was a the gargantuan D and D miniatures. I these miniatures called uh, TM at the head in the in the hall too, and it was the size oh, yeah, of my desk. This. It was big. Yeah, they were huge. Mm. Yeah, I don't know well, if I saw that one, but yeah, that one was exactly. so big. It was, and then they had a yeah, icing really death one, which is a white dragon that's about half that size, but still mm-hmm. humongous. It was like, and it's of course two hundred some dollars, but. Um, right. I mean, right, right. justifiably so. It's the things that, like the size of a dog. Um, but another thing I noticed was um, there was a lot, two things Sydney and I noticed. This one, one is that there was a lot more puzzles there, which was odd. That one, was several booths that were just selling puzzles. And then that is a thing. I right? I was I was telling my family about them. Like a lot of the a lot of the game publishers make puzzles. Like there's Pathfinder puzzles and mm-hmm, uh, Gloomhaven uh-huh. puzzles. And I'm like, is that a is that a COVID? Th- I was telling Andrew, my brother, about it, and he's like, "Well, it's pretty easy. Yeah, like they've got art, so just make a puzzle out of it." And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, "Well, that makes perfect sense. Like, of course, why, why not? Like, we spent, you know, almost a whole year of people stuck in home. I bet uh, stuck at home. I bet a lot of people took up, you know, puzzling. or or re re uh, um, yeah, discovered, rekindled a, a love for yeah, I mean, rediscovered people, puzzle. Rediscovered I mean, and people do have a passion about it too. I mean, you know, Jen started a whole puzzle fest. Oh, that's that awesome. It's been going on for seven nice. years now. So, you know, well, like and I have never been invited. Enough. I am offended in my, in my, in my it's, soul. Chris. It's a, it, it's part of the, it's part of the history center. So oh, <laughs> you, you can just join. It's join, a race. join I can just so join can, the history center. You can okay, just join sure. the history center and do that. That's I, what the whole point is. Yeah. It's not, it's not invite only. Right. Or no, no, it's not, not yeah. a ICG con. Okay, I. No, um, sorry. I did buy. I but I did buy a puzzle. I mean, because they're all nerdy, mm-hmm. geeky puzzles, and I was like, yeah, this is kind of, I, you know, because of Gen Con, I will admit to also having re- rekindled my uh, puzzle thing, and I've done several last year. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I thought, oh, I'm gonna. I, what I've done is a lot of like Goodwill puzzles. You go to good, Goodwill and get those, you know, thousand mm-hmm. piece puzzles from sure. Goodwill and, and get them right. Um, and then, or I bought, as Shelly bought me some for my birthday, but then I was like, okay, now I'm going to go out and buy some and they're not cheap. Puzzles are expensive. Mm-mm. I was like, whoa, these are no, yeah. the really nice ones yeah. are. There's are a lot awesome. of trade places. So you should look into that. There's even on Facebook, there's a group that trades puzzles. I, I should you definitely know, when they're done do that. With it, they just swap. They do. It, I'm always, I'm always swap. afraid to buy yeah. them used because, or like redo ones that we have. Cause I'm like. You don't want to spend a whole yeah. weekend on a puzzle and find out there's a piece missing. Yeah, but even, even one I can see piece. if if you're in a if you're in a club of people who like are respect the hobby and and right. whatever, then yeah, yeah. it's like because you for the for all of those reasons, like most of the time you're not going to do a puzzle twice, and so you're like, well, I spent fifteen, seventeen, twenty dollars on this puzzle. Let uh, let somebody else enjoy. Yeah, it. I I I've been, yeah. I. Gave several of my really good ones, nerdy ones like Star Wars ones and Superman ones and uh, whatnot, and I gave those just to Goodwill. I, now that I know about it, I, I, I definitely got to hook up with that trade thing. That's a good idea. Yeah, do the trade thing. You can donate them to the History Center because then they do a swap, a puzzle swap as well, and awesome. they sell some of them to make money. So you know, love it. Love it. Yeah. It's, it's such a Zen type thing. I, I really do mm-hmm. feel. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, puzzles were big, and then. This is going to sound silly because it's a, almost a duh thing, but there was so much dice. Like, I know there's always dice so at Gen much. Con, but Chessex had three booths. and So much dice. There was just so much more dice than normal. Yeah. I, I noticed think, that, too. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Chessex always has three booths, but maybe 
you I mean, on a normal year, you don't notice because of Fantasy Flight and all the other stuff mm-hmm. around them. Maybe because it's but expanded, because yeah, and they showed up. I think ev- they were every- everything else was reduced, and Chessex still set up three dice booths. And yeah. so you're like, why are there dice everywhere? Well, it's not just yeah, Chessex. I think they were too, filling there's holes. There's so many different ones. Um, right. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. You're, yeah. That's, you're probably right. Crystal, Crystal Castle yeah. is the other yeah. one. And there was a couple, of, several independent ones that were, were newer. Um, right. And then there right. was one that was selling... Like nothing less than a hundred dollar dice. Like, they're so expensive. Oh, like, like engraved out of real stone. Yeah, yeah, like real ivory mm. bone things, mm. or you know, one one was mm. a hollowed dice that had intricate labyrinth stuff on the outside. And I mean, they're mm. they're gorgeous and beautiful. And I was telling Sid, you know, you look at that stuff, and I've, I've long said, who would ever spend one hundred and fifty dollars on metal dice or whatever, you know? And uh, and then I, I I had to take it back and thought, you know what, if me and my friends played D and D every week, you know, twice a week, even mm-hmm. or whatever. And that was our thing we've done for five right. years. Why? Why not? It's hundred. It's one thing that you use all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not not yeah. really the I same. Mean, but it's... when we started up, you know, uh, however many years ago, when we we played, I went out and immediately spent like twenty, thirty bucks yeah. on dice because I was so excited. Right. So I could see playing it all the time. I'd want like, ooh, I want. I want that metal in my hand. So. Yeah, yeah. You're always going to be rolling it. Everybody's going to see it at the table, status symbol type thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see that. So I, I was initially harsh, and then I had to take a step back and say, you know what, you know, that's that's actually kind of cool, um, especially to have unique. Sid, Sid bought. If it's made some, out of some she, other material, that's also like a like a collectible. Um, it's more like a collectible thing for sure. For sure. If it's yeah. s- yep. stone or. And and there are there are there is differences in quality of dice. I mean, people know that there are, especially the vendors will tell you that bubbles in dice cause imbalances on the rolls. Um, so mm-hmm. if if you have quality dice makers, they will like. I wouldn't say Chessick isn't Chessick. I, I I refer to Chessick as the Walmart of of dice. Um, they got everything you need, but not necessarily the best dice. When I yeah, when I first got into uh, Pathfinder, which is the first like D and D style role playing that I did, I went looking for like I wanted natural dice. I'm like, where are some dice made out of wood or bone or mm-hmm, or stone mm-hmm. or something? And our our Betty Chance, who'd been doing D and D and stuff for years, he was like, well, people don't usually use those because they're not balanced. Like you've got natural mm-hmm. materials and there's you know uh, imperfections, more variations in it. That's 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 why everybody uses the plastic ones. Yeah. Do you have to pay more for the ones that crit more often? <laughs> right, right. You just, I yeah, I do I remember many years ago, at least ten years ago, that there was a guy that sold fixed dice in at Gen Con at a booth. I mean, they were labeled as such, but I was like, mm-hmm. man, get, get these things out of here. They don't even need to be in this place. You felt <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Give them the stink right. eye as I go by. Yeah. You're, you're breaking a DM's heart right there. Well, the, the guy was... Yeah, that's... You don't play D&D for money. What's, what's even the point? Right, yeah, he, right. He, he had uh And it wasn't just... It, it was so great. I remember his pitches all the time. It was like, it's not... These D6s don't always roll 6 all the time. They roll like 4, 5, and 6 all the time. Or or uh, this D20 mm. rolls between 10 and 20 all the time. It never rolls below, below um, 10. So, you know, yeah. it's a little bit harder to mm. detect. I was like... It sucks. Mm. I hate you people. And you know, <laughs> I was DMing that year. I was like, that's back when I would DM all the entire Gen Con. And, um, I remember thinking like, I had at least, let's see, three shifts a day, six players, 18 a day times three. I'd had that many players. And I think, um, 
how many people went to the dealer hall and bought those dice <laughs> were rolling fake dice on me it's it's just mm. that's like completely oh, antithetical to my entire like concept of playing an rpg yeah I'm like if your goal is to is to sit there and roll nat 20 so you can win the combat and like make the dm's job harder like go play a different game i don't know that's oh, yeah just me. it's about the story I mean, we've talked about that. It's it's yeah. really about the mm-hmm. you've, you've creating the story, and if you don't have bad things happen, then there's no story. Yeah, so. and and, and we we uh, along with that, there you know, everybody's experiences are different. Some people, their games of D and D at home are very adversarial, right? It's DM mm-hmm. versus you, and then so maybe they want to like a, an upper hand to win because they feel they always have to be in competition with the DM, and so mm-hmm. who who knows, right? But I still think that. Right. Cheaty dice are dumb. Just yeah, they're just dumb. But you know, I've yeah, I mean, if if, if you're gonna play D and D compatibly, like that's fine. I disagree with that. Yeah, that's your opinion. <laughs> right. But and that's your preference. But if you're gonna cheat, that's not no that um, no 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 justification for that. Right. Well, we uh, uh, so we yeah we got to go through a lot of the, those vendors and and they, it was pretty fun and pretty cool. I did. I did walk around a little bit and we spent, uh, we left the hall a little earlier than we usually do on Sunday because it was smaller and we had kind of been through it all. Uh, the last thing about the hall I would say is that Sunday is usually my purchasing day because they have things on deals. And because mm. of the smaller crowd and a lot of the big sellers weren't there, I hardly found any deals on anything there, like no Sunday deals. Um, there was one that I bought that was only like okay games. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's not, not a lot of hot deals overall no we didn't um we didn't go to hall at all on sunday and uh our buddy justin pointed it out um on the drive home there was no um there was no auction or consignment store which is a a third party thing that they do that we talk about every year because it's a chance to like find some new things cheap or you know thin out your collection to make room in your closet or whatever and uh, Sunday is the day where you go and pick up your games that didn't sell and your check for things that did sell. And without that sort of requirement, we were like, well, we've got an 11 o'clock checkout on our Airbnb. Let's um, load up the car and head back to Bloomington. <laughs> like, I guess and we're done here. start sleeping when we get home. So. And, and sleep, yeah, because yeah, we went pretty hard that last night, that Saturday. Well, every, everybody... Dennis, you and I have had these, these conversations before where, where everybody everybody does their own cons differently, right? Or plays their games differently. So right. You know, so, and, yep. and what they yep. find enjoyment. Uh, I, I know for, like, you guys often spend, like, not a lot of your time at the convention. I mean, I know you guys go there, but in general, you guys are back at the house a lot or wherever we're staying. Um, and, and for me, I'm always usually at the con maximum amount of time that, that I can go there. Um, so I, I don't like, I don't get to go to the hall, like to the exhibit hall. I go to the, the other game stuff. So I always have that for my, for my Sunday things, oh, but it yeah. makes sense. Like the way you guys do your, your conventions usually that like you've already spent three or four days of just doing that full on pure convention experience for, for what you have of like you guys hanging out. Yeah. Stuff, I mean, right? I mean, we talked I would about be this too. in, in 2019 and also in, in 18, um, I couldn't handle you guys two days straight, let alone four. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to, I well, you know, my, my Gen Con experience has changed over the years because I started in like 2010. Yeah. But for the last couple of years, as we started doing the podcast, I would do much more like events, like buy tickets to things, not, not necessarily competitive things because I've learned and I've said repeatedly on the show, the quickest way for me to stop enjoying a board game that I normally enjoy is to play it competitively with strangers. Yeah, um, sure. depending on the game, of course, but, yeah. um, you know, I would, I would do more like learn to plays and stuff like that, but because of, you know, the pandemic and stuff going on with moves and whatnot in my life, I'm like me going to Gen Con was not set in stone. Like it had been for the last 10 years. And so I was like, I'm not going to buy tickets to a bunch of events. Like that's another level of, of consideration. So instead what I did and uh, I, I know Chris was along for some of this as well. Yep. Our buddy Fox, uh, who works for LRM Online, as we mentioned at the end of every episode, he does um, board game reviews. And he doesn't like to use the word reviews because his, <laughs> yeah, right. um, sure. he, he tries to make his reviews informative. And Correct. I And I saw Correct. that there was a game that I was looking at on the floor and I was like... He said he played this game. What is it like? Like I could go up and ask for a demo, but it was a little crowded and I was waiting. I think he was going to meet up with me or something. So I went on Board Game Geek and found his review and he was like, this is a game where you do this and this and this. Here are the pros. Here are the cons. If you like this kind of stuff, you'll like this. If you don't like this kind of stuff, you'll probably be annoyed by this. It's the 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 tagline we always kind of joke about in his in his movie reviews where he says, recommended if you like x x and y whatever those those two things are and so um he had scheduled a bunch of meetings with publishers and and you know pr sort of people um all throughout the con and so because i didn't have anything scheduled going on um i followed along with him to most of those meetings and got to you know talk to different people sometimes they were the 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 designer of the game. Sometimes they were just the sort of marketing person for a larger uh, publishing firm or whatever, but um, usually pretty excited about what they were doing. We got to hear about like what their new thing was, what their thing that they just had like one prototype copy of, they would show us. And they're like, Oh, there's this thing over here that we're going to, uh, um, you know, we're looking at, early 2022 or whatever um were you with us chris when we saw the game about the kites with all the timers yep yep um this was a game i thought was cool that i would hate and absolutely never play oh yeah i will so (laughs) this is straight up i will never play that no, no how to describe it so the box had cards and the cards had different um like symbols or colors on them and then it had like five timers like little Mm. sand egg timers and you lay the timers all down flat and then you play a card and i don't even remember how the playing cards worked it might have been like an uno thing where you have to match a numbers or suits or something i don't even remember that part of it but when you play a card you turn up the timer that matches that color and then it's the next person and then they play a card and they either flip up another timer or they turn that timer over. Right. And you're trying to keep the timers always going. It's kite themed. So you want to keep 
the kites, all the kites in the air, like, like spinning plates. And it's, you know, very frantic, very, you know, like dexterity sort of, yeah, I think sort of game. And if I'm you like, like spoons, is, I think you'd like it. So. The like spoons, it's, it's the exact kind of card game that I hate, but yeah. I loved the idea. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this with all these timers. Um, but that was, that was the bulk of my, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't go back to the house as early as, um, as some of the other guys did, but we kind of did a lot of that. I just followed Fox around and we're like, you know, unless he had a, he had meetings right around lunch and I'm like, I'm going to go get some food because I don't need to be in this meeting. Um, <laughs> right. yeah. and, and, and that was fun. It's just a different, um, a different sort of experience than I, than I usually have. I, I, uh, I wanted to say something about, um, the competitive thing that you were mentioning about, but, uh, instead of going into that directly, I thought we'd play a little, a little game about Gen Con between the three of us real quick called, uh, let's talk about that game. And it just would be, uh, how about we go like a bit of a round, uh, we can't possibly talk about everything we saw do or play. Um, but sure, we can talk sure. about a, a couple things. And how about we do like, a. I'll, uh, we go around each of us in turn and talk about one or two games quickly that we played, we enjoyed, or we saw uh, something. And even if they didn't play a game, like I saw this game and it looked interesting or neat, and then we can kind of piece it there. Um, I can start. And... Well, I just talked. I just talked about a game, so <laughs> okay. I'll get. Yeah. Just, I'll go ahead and go after that one, and then Chris, you can follow it up, and we'll go back to Dennis in a kind of okay. a circle. There sounds good. Uh, I agree, Dennis, with the competitive thing. Um, I was, I've always been intimidated by those people that play Magic the Gathering over there, which is always like half a hall and it's huge. Mm. And it's got big platforms and it's a, the world championships and stuff. Um, I, I, I love that it's there and awesome, but, you know, too, too much for me, right? Um, but I like the, I, I kind of like the idea of being a part of a, you know, world championships type thing, uh, even if I'm terrible at it. So I do occasionally do partake in some of those things, but usually... Every time I go in, sorry, not usually every time I go into one, I expect to lose in the first round and just to see and be a part of it. Right. And every experience I've done, and I did do a magic one, one year has been positive. Like I am always amazed at how kind players can be. I know video gamers and, and Reddit people and whatnot always has this bad, uh, reputation for, for being toxic or whatnot. But I personally, don't have a lot of experience with that. I, I have, you know, been involved in things where everyone's been supportive and kind. And that leads in today or this last weekend, which I wanted to talk about a game I played called Dice Throne, which I've played and we talked about on the show. Uh, so we'll go into it. It, it is a kickstarted game uh, that is a 1v1 basically kind of fight thing. And it only takes about 20 to 30 minutes, really. I was actually didn't realize how quick the game goes. And... It was kickstarted. It's like $160 for the game. It comes with something like 10 of characters. And it's been sold out since it's been, you know, released. They released a season two, which was also immediately sold out. Um, so was, even if I wanted to get the game, I can't. I can't. Uh, so I played it <laughs> on Trotsky's twice, Sydney and I had. And, and we signed up for their championships, which was their qualifier rounds. And then, you know, if you get into the, the uh, semifinals and then the finals you can continue on. I played it and had a really good time. We, we signed up for two qualifiers, which was 
a total of six games. And um, I lost on the first one. I lost, I won one and then got wrecked the other two. And then the second one, I won two and barely lost the, the third one by like one point. Um, and I, and I did qualify for the semifinals, went on the semifinals, won that. And I didn't win, but qualified for the finals, made it to the finals on Saturday evening and play something like, I don't know, 14, 15, something like that. Um, which was really exciting. But the experience I want to share is that a lot of people hadn't played a lot of it. I think everyone had played more than Sydney and I, but several people were like, I've never played this character either. And we were just having a good time beating each other. Definitely not giving each other an inch, but you know, there's a lot of compliments. Oh yeah. And then afterwards people would hang around and talk to you about the match, you know, like, Oh yeah. When you were doing that thing with the monk, I was really worried and I didn't know you could do this thing. And maybe next time we could, you could do this. Um, and then when I got into the finals, I had played with several of the people before, right? Like in mm. p- previous heats and mm-hmm. kind of built up a, a friendship in between matches. When you're waiting for a match, you're all just kind of hanging out, talking, waiting for your match. So mm. you just talk about, like, hey, where are you from? What are you doing? You know, how, what are you doing? One guy was from Texas and he had driven up here just for this and had not left oh, wow. Hall B the entire con because he was just doing Dice Throne and didn't know there were other food places outside the convention center. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, the food here is terrible. I was like, have you gone outside? He's like, is there anything good out there? I was like, oh my God, dude. He's like, he's only eaten that in convention center food. Gross. Uh, So, but he was like a hardcore Dice Throne guy and he had qualified and got buys throughout the thing. But when we got our characters assigned in the finals... I, I got like not I got a very difficult character assigned to me. And then mm-hmm. it was like the coolest thing ever. I sit down at the table and like three dudes descended on me and they're like, okay, here's what you gotta do with the monk. You gotta make sure you focus on this one and only upgrade that. And do like they were they knew that they weren't facing me, but were immediately giving me tips. I was like, That's cool. That that was really, really cool. cool. Yeah. And that's not something you get Interesting. I, a lot of things. I know that uh, um, I've probably said this on the air, and I said this to Fox because we met with um, uh, Justin Gary, who works on um, Ascension. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. And oh, he right. has yeah. he has a new game that was digital for a while, and now it's a in a physical uh, form called Shoot. It's something Forge. Soul uh, Forge, Spirit Dice Forge. Forge. Soul. It's Soul Forge or some something like that. Um, and I'll put a link in the show notes because I can't remember the exact title. Um, but it's it's one of those like dueling games. And it has some mechanics that I've never seen. Like every card, it, it has a little bit of Keyforge mm, yeah, um, yeah. idea with it mixed with uh, Smash Up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. the idea is you take two, you take two things and put them together like in Smash Up. But each of your two like factions or whatever have three copies of every card in um, like bronze, silver, and gold or something. They're level one, two, and three. And when you play a card, um, if it's it has like creatures and actions, like most, you know, it's a very... He, he uh, um, I almost said Gygax. Uh, who's the guy? Uh, Garfield, Richard Garfield. Um, he's co, you know, designed this with him. And... Um, so it's got some of that magic kind of flavor, but of course with the typical, like all the keywords are different. Yeah. Um, right. 
And when you play a card, you draw the um, the next level of that card and put it in your in your discard pile. And then all the cards that you played, um, like if they're monsters, they go out on the board, and then when they die, they get banished. Like they don't get sorted back in. So it's like a deck builder, except your deck is automatically um, like pruning your your card count almost mm. never varies right. um, beyond your 20 initial cards. And um, anyway, you know, Fox and I got to play that a little bit. And I, I told him um, something that I had read online because our, you know, we've got a big group and except for the short, like few weeks, few months we were into Keyforge, we don't really play those dueling card games, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like magic is right. the one everybody yeah. knows of, but um we almost never play and maybe people do maybe it's just for me um you know whenever i'm around we have at least four and usually more like six to eight people um and you know those games don't get uh uh, brought out but i read somebody online say you know oh we never play one versus one you know dueling games because we've got four people and um and the other guy was like i actually prefer with four people to play two dueling games because then you know when it's not your turn you can cross talk you can switch up opponents to change it out like it's a it's part of this whole um whole different experience that yeah. i hadn't considered yeah. and it sounds like it sounds like that's what you experience there i know for me yeah after a couple of after a couple of bad experiences i either never did competitive again or i did competitive like I joined with Pete and Pat one year to do um, uh, uh, Formula D. Oh, Formula really, yeah. Day, mm, depending yeah, yeah. on. Uh, which and that's like which, a which two hour game, about. though, right? Isn't it like a long game? Yeah, it's it's a big, long game, and it was just like everybody's going to do your best. And I'm like, well, I'm playing with Pete and Pat, so I know I'm not going to win. I'm just going to mm. <laughs> have fun and, you know, move. It's a giant board. The cards are, the cars are <laughs> right. little, literal. Uh, micro machines if you remember those um yeah. i'm sure you do you guys are both older than me they were the big thing when i was a kid um and it's you know this giant board it's this whole big experience and i don't really care whether i whether i win or not um but the the bad experience examples that i have are um with with more players and so there's like this sort of like king making or accidental oh, king yeah, making yeah, the example yeah. i always give of mm-hmm. a guy and his girlfriend are both playing and she's not mm-hmm, very good not mm-hmm. to be sexist but like she clearly had less experience with the game than anybody else and so was making kind of basic mistakes and letting my brother win and i'm like this is <sighs> the, like you know this is a dumb silly smash up i'm like this yeah. was a game i used to play and not care whether yeah. i won or not but i'm not having fun watching this right. you know this couple like king make the experience yeah, all and the way just through. miserable mm-hmm. and so i wonder if yep. i wonder if the like one verse one with all this like spectators and stuff in the in the heats and the rounds it reminds me of um uh that series about chess what's it called oh the, the queen's gambit um queen's gambit yeah yeah yeah, yeah it, sorry it, i it, i went on <laughs> uh, for for a bit about that what what about you chris did you have uh did you have anything uh, you played new or or old or or fun new experience? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I think, you know, uh, going on the Fox thing, you know, when we were traveling around with him, we stopped at the Game Right uh, booth mm. and did a demo of Happy City. I mean, you were there too. So it was, uh, I really enjoyed that oh, yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I bought it, brought it home. Uh, I think Jen's going to love it. She just loves the name of it too. So didn't you play um, that? Didn't you play that with Sid? Yes. Yeah. I played it with Sid. Sid liked it too. So it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, easy to, easy to teach, uh, easy to play quick. It's what not like you it? have to spend five hours. Um, it's kind of a set collection auction thing going on. So you, so you have, uh, with a, a, yeah, go ahead. a little bit of an engine builder with cards. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the little cards and stuff, but you're you're trying to get uh, the right amount of hearts and the right amount of people in your city, and and then you multiply them together and that gets you your score. But you're also trying to collect certain colors of cards as well, and it gets you a bonus card that helps you out. Mm-hmm. So, but it's it's pretty easy uh, to learn. Um, but that and then and then the I, I, one other since it's still game right, I, uh, the one that Trotsky was he knew he wanted it, he went and got it. Uh, on the second day I was eating lunch with him and he got it out and we played it right at the bar. Um, and it was this uh, super mega lucky box game, which is basically bingo. (laughs) I mean, that's all it is. It's bingo, but it it has a little bit, it's got a a few mechanics to it that make it a little bit more interesting. Um, you can chain things together so you can complete multiple cards. And so that one is real easy again to learn. Like you teach it in five minutes, you know, you start off with it's bingo. And then you can go from there, and it's pretty pretty simple to do. Yeah, it's like um, a it's like a nine grid tic tac toe. I bought that game too because it yeah. has like a like a twelve player. I don't know if it's even twelve yeah. player. Like if there are enough cards, you can get as many players, and it's a little more yeah. um, thoughtful than. I mean, I've said before, like I have a big family, and so I'm always looking for. I don't love huge group games. Um, but I'm always on the lookout for something like the first time, you know, Trotsky got out telestrations. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, right. it's kind of dumb. It doesn't, you know, you've got the like uh, apples to apples kind of thing right. where you it's don't not. don't have to worry about or code the, names. There's like not you, even a winner. You don't, winner. You don't keep score. People. It's right. a, like a like a group activity. And then everything else is like um, like code names. Code names is great, but it's it's a team game. And so you get right. this. You know, you got to split up into teams. You got to do, you know, equally. And this is, it's, yeah, it's like you said, it's like bingo. You've got this, this nine, nine grid square. And then the rows mm-hmm. and columns have a bonus thing. So, and it's just numbers one to nine. And so you're like, if I finish this row, that'll give me a three. Then I can put a three over here. And you have these, right. um, you have these goals you're going toward. Um, it's it's yeah, great. You've got to collect I the like stars. You've got to finish you have to finish the mm-hmm. cards. You get points for cards, and there's four phases. So that you know, uh, so yeah, it, it it was and there's there was some strategy. Like you didn't yeah. want to you know get too many stars. You were holding off on getting stars because the more stars you get in a single right, round, right. you got more points. So like, uh, you know, first time I played, I didn't realize I was trying to get stars every time, and I was not making any points. So yeah, it's yeah, I thought it 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 it, it moved faster than bingo. Yeah. G56. Right. G. Right. G- <laughs> yeah. G- Game right, I believe, makers of um, Sushi Go. Yes. Yeah. The, the, Pro- the probably, um, probably their Phil most Walker well-known Harding. Uh, title. Yeah. yeah. Phil yeah. Walker mm-hmm. Harding's a designer and he, yeah, he made Sushi Go. 
So. Uh, the, b- before we before we make our our second pass at this, when we get, get back to Dennis, we're another game. Uh, let's 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 do it. Do a little breaker of this Gen Con roundtable, and mm. mention a game that we all three played. So we all three played a Star Trek game called Five Year Mission, right? Yeah. 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 So. I would just quickly say I think that this was probably the best Star Trek-themed game I've played. I can't think of another one that I liked better. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I I, I liked it. I I, I want to play it again. I do want to play it again. Yeah, I I, I thought it was enjoyable. It was, you know, like there was enough challenge to it. Um, There was, yeah, you know, yeah. I think think it led to a little bit of... um, uh, what, what you know when people are trying to i think we did it to you you know we're uh, alpha gaming so oh, yeah. there's a little bit alpha you know gaming. so we just ha- i think we just have to have a discussion before we start like hey you know but but i but other than that i thought it was i thought it was fun i i enjoyed it dennis yeah i've an i have an interesting sort of history with that game because i i don't remember how or where i heard of it probably i probably saw it on amazon on like a board game sale day event or whatever and so i bought it on on amazon and i brought it um probably not the last time we did fox Dencon, but the time before um with the intention of playing it i'm like i'm gonna get fox and chris and michael and pat you know our our clayons dragons crew and we're gonna and we're gonna play this and then we're opening it up and going through it and pat goes i don't think you got enough of these cards like there were literally cards missing from my and of course i had bought it like three months ahead of time so i couldn't return it or anything and it was like i don't know 16 17 bucks or something it wasn't the end of the world but i'm like oh well i guess we're not gonna get to play this game and then yeah you you found the event and we played it and uh yeah i mean like a lot of cooperative games it has the it has the potential for the for the alpha gaming or the kind of like I don't know. I mean, part of the, part of the, what, just the nature, I was going to say appeal, but it's kind of pl- plus positive or negative depending on um, your personality or whatever. But part of the nature of a cooperative game is that you should be discussing and kind of debating what to do. It's the example I give of, yeah. you know, uh, uh, tensions and emotions can almost run higher in a cooperative game than in a competitive game. Like you're, you know, you're all fighting over the same land in, I don't know, I was going to say Risk. Risk is a terrible example. But, like, um, I don't know, you're fighting in, in some kind of... Well, yeah, on those, on those kind of a cooperative things where, where you have those arguments, where, right, with, with alpha players is, is mainly when people are paying attention. I, I know our buddy Justin kind of goes through this thing sometimes. I'm just calling him out because, you know, he could sport about it. Hmm. Um, you know, he likes to plan his moves. He's a planner. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll yeah. think ahead and, and has a strategy and thinks it out. And then when it comes back around, it can be very frustrating when people would tell him or me or anybody else and say like, oh, no, I think you should do this. And I think you should do that. And a lot of times it's to set up things that they want to do. Right. Or um, because they think uh, it's the I mean, optimal for whatever reason they right. might think is the better way, which kind of makes you feel like, well, m- what I want to do isn't as important as what you want to do because you have the louder voice or the the better charisma at it or whatever it might mm. be, which makes people not enjoy I, the game. Right? I want to know. 
I, I want to know who Justin thinks has a louder voice than than you. <laughs> well, that's that's fair, but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean, though. How how alpha? Yeah, yeah, alpha yeah. Ga- exa- gaming, yeah, works. for yeah. sure. And you know, and I'm I'm the kind of person who maybe not always, but fairly often, you know, I look at the board and I go, well, I I very often play my games one turn at a time. Let's say it that yeah, way. I um, it's part of why maybe I really love. And love is a strong word, but I really enjoy love is playing certain word. types, playing certain types of games um, on board game arena, turn based. Um, Potion explosion is a perfect example of this. Like you're trying to chain together these marbles, and in in real time, it's frustrating for me to play this game because I'm like, just pick, just pick a marble so we can get back to my <laughs> turn. So that I don't have to right. sit here and wait for you to pick a damn marble. Um, right. Yeah, that's But true. if you play it turn-based, like, it doesn't matter. You pick the marbles on your own time. And what the other players are doing doesn't really matter. Like, it does a little bit if you're like, oh, Pat has all of these potions, so it's going to be hard for me to get a whole set of three or, or whatever. But, um, you know, Ascension is my other example of that. Like, it's a deck builder, but for the most part... I'm going to buy the best card that's available to me when it's my turn, and I'm not going to worry about it the rest of the time because the market's going to change too much uh, before it comes back to me. And I have the bad habit of doing that um, in cooperative games too. Like, I was sort of doing that when we were playing 5-year mission. I was only really half paying attention when it was other players' turns because I'm like, they know what abilities they have and what dice they have, and they're probably going to make the best turn that they can. Um, and I'm just concerned with what do I see out there? Okay, well, if that's still there when it gets to my turn, I have these dice, and I might throw out information for um, uh, other players to to influence their decision. I'm like, well, I have the dice to clear that, so if you want to focus on something else, um, that's fine, but it's, you know, that's the whole thing with... Right with playing games with people and especially cooperative games is um yeah i think this one also had uh, prioritizing and and information sharing i think this one also did did some um you know it's problem solving and i think that you know if you get a bunch of problem solvers around the table too then they all want to solve the problems and and it was all for us too right so i think at the beginning when we were even sid was giving telling mike what to do um you know, like I think when we had that first couple rounds, like I think we were all like, "Ooh, ooh, there's a problem to solve. Let's go. Ooh, we can do that." You know, right? So right. I think the rest of us kind of yeah. That's down. The, the the one guy didn't, but that's <laughs> the the, um, the conflict example that I give for for cooperative games is playing Pandemic uh, Pandemic Legacy with mm-hmm. with my mm-hmm. brothers, and like we either lose or we get really close to losing, and then you know somebody's angry because the group didn't take their quote-unquote advice right of like Mm. we need to focus on this but that's you know that's what pandemic is right like it's um this like there are all these things you only have so many actions you can only focus on so many things and you're you're racing against the deck against the clock and um yeah right yeah but but overall even though we we mentioned the alpha player part of it the, the game is a pretty good game. It's a good solid yeah, game. I, I, I think good. that uh, I did use the word theming intentionally earlier. That it that it's not like you're not playing the 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 
character. You are playing the characters, but you don't feel like you're on a, a mission per se. It's not like it's role playing through mm, a, a yeah. Star Trek episode or anything. It's it's clearly a game with mechanics, and then you put the Star Trek theme on it. Um, but yeah, that the, was okay. The Amazon that reviews okay. on this game were pretty um, mediocre. Yeah, and so part of you know I bought it. I was like, well, it's a yeah. Star Trek game, and it's seventeen dollars. Like I'll just buy it and we'll play it and it'll be fine. Yeah, and, six and, a half out and we of played it and I was like I was like, I don't know I don't know what what I mean, it's Amazon, so who knows with people, but I'm like, there was nothing horrible about it. I don't know what people expected out of this game. But actually I figured out Dennis why why your copy was so had so missing pieces. Um because yeah. in MSRPs for thirty five dollars, and somebody was like, "Well, this one's missing pieces." So seventeen oh, dollars. Somebody was just unloading their defective inventory on Amazon. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, maybe Chris, those Chris, were the negative reviews. People got people got the box, and it was missing cards. And they're like, "Well, I wanted to play this game, but it was missing cards." One star. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Chris, it's on a, it's a, <clears throat> on sale at Walmart for thirty dollars in case you want to buy it. So. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking at it here. Yeah. Not, not that I would uh, play with you all the time, but I totally would. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's it's thirty dollars, but you have to go into Walmart. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so uh, mo- moving back around in our little game of uh, spin the wheel here, Dennis, uh, pick another game. What, what did you play that you like? Or or two? Um, you can quickly. Uh, something we should do on this round, by the way, is when we start, describe what kind of game is. I think that's something that our listeners would want to know, like what kind of game it is before they've, they've never heard of it. Like Five Year Mission was a cooperative card game. A cooperative card game. Um, but it's hard for me to even think of another game that I played. I actually didn't play that many games, but like saw, you know, some, uh, you know, got some demos of things. Um, well, I finally got to play Eclipse. Um, oh yeah, right. Yeah, that's one of which which talking I, about for you. I think we've talked about before. Trotsky had that, and it was on our schedule to play for some reason on our schedule to play Saturday night when we were all exhausted. Um, mm-hmm. I took the strategy of um, of peace, of going away from conflict, and uh, and just peacefully exploring the the galaxy, and didn't didn't even really find any. Um, mm-hmm. neutral elder aliens to uh, to fight or anything like that. So whenever it wasn't my turn, I was um, I was I was stepping away from the table because I was bored, which probably frustrated uh, Pat and and some of the others, <laughs> other players maybe. But there was almost never anything I needed to do to like stay sitting there for. Um, when I played it, that, I was ne- I was, was next fine. to Chris it, and Pat, and that was actually pretty enjoyable. I think that whole game we were pretty peaceful overall. Mm-hmm. Oh, and when yeah! We played I think the first time at Trotsky's, Chris and I did a did a um, diplomacy like peace thing, and it yeah. it held. I I made it through almost the whole game without doing combat, and then uh, no. attacked Trotsky at the end because I wanted to. I think I was just <laughs> <more> <laughs> but the two peace. I, the two I peace agree with the assessment that it's that game, so. yeah that it's like um, it's like Twilight Imperium, but. Uh, a fair bit shorter and and therefore much better in my, in my estimation. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, a combination of it being Saturday night. And I think it's just hard for me to stay focused on a game that long. That's just my, my personality. I don't know. 
Uh, okay, so my other ones I got to played uh, a game, USAopoly. That's a company that makes a lot of games. Had a section where mm-hmm. they, and this is future note for future Gen Con goers, uh, they were in the main uh, Hall B, which is where the board game area is, and they just had a little little table, said USAopoly flag next to it, and uh, some shelving with their games on it. And all you had to do is walk up and say, hey, can I play that game? And they say yes. And it, so they had an open game library where you just go ahead and check out any game you want for free, mm. uh, which was pretty freaking great. And I spent, oh, at least six or seven hours we spent playing games at USAopoly. Um, so I got to play mm. several of those. One of them was The Thing. Um, it's based on, I think it's John Carpenter's 1970s or early 80s. I think it's 80s um, movie, The Thing. It's a, the game is a, uh, what's a uh, trader game. Game with the trader mechanic, you know what I mean? Like there's somebody, there's somebody that's okay. not on our team, but like it's that. cooperative with the trader. Like a, like a werewolf kind of. A, oh yeah, a, yeah. Like you, we, we trader you game is probably there. I, there might be another word for that, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's it, trader it, game? But anyway, tra- trader. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's very thematic. Some games I just mentioned, like like Five Year Mission, was it had a game and a mechanics, and they put a Star Wars skin on it. This one was they totally made the game based around what the movie was about. So it felt like you were playing the movie, which was pretty great. Like you had to explore, you were trapped on this Antarctic station. You, your idea was to escape, but there's these alien creatures running around. So you had to go out into the, the facility and run little missions to try and get supplies so that you could survive. And then also try to find the aliens and kill them while one of your teammates you think could be infected. Right. And you don't know who. Mm. Uh, and then if mm. at the end you have to escape and there's pressure for the person at the end to before everybody escapes to reveal themselves and come out and then attack everybody. Um, and it's just like the movie. It's just how the movie is like, you know, you're always they're always tense. There's always pressure. What's going on here? I need to go out here, but I, it's too scary to go out there because it's terrible. That's where the traitor has power. Um, and then when you at the end, is it's there just like a the movie. um is there a mechanic where you can where you can call a meeting if you think that somebody is sus? Not really, <laughs> not not really. We we did talk about it being that that kind of a, a thing, no. um, but but at the end you do. At the end, there's a, a vote off the island type thing, which is which is really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, hmm. And we played that with strangers, m- me and my daughter and my buddy. We played that with two, three other strangers that we just like, hey, you want to play this game? Like, sure, well, I'll play it. And that it's really weird to play a game like that kind of a game with people you don't know. Uh, but it was very fun. Yeah, yeah, it was very sure. fun. Yeah. Nice. I mean, we had a couple extroverts in the party, so it was easy to mix that up. Uh, but Sydney, it started at late, sure. like 11 fin- or 1030. We finished it at right at midnight when the hall closed. And um, Sydney was tired and kind of grumpy and ready to, to not play it. But then she got <laughs> in with like 10 <laughs> minutes and was loving it. So that's oh, huge positive that's thing about it. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of that movie at all or uh, trader type games, it's one of my tops right now for sure. Uh, another one I played uh, quickly was, let's look, run through on here. I don't recommend Rocketeer. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Nor Ivian. Hmm. Uh, they're they're fine. They're just basic. They don't, I mean, they're probably fine if you're still playing Ticket to Ride and uh, Catan. Right? Wow. I mean, I don't knock those. Those are obviously classic games of all time. So they're just at you're that throwing level. all the shade. And and you're the guy who loves IP based games. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, sure. And and yeah. Rocketeer is same. Ivian is a card hero crafting game. Uh it just didn't mm. feel balanced to me that one uh very much at I all. I see, I see. Uh, and uh, Harry Potter Duels was Harry Potter Duels was good. We got it and own it now, and we played Dune Light. I guess just called Dune. It's based on the yeah, new it's movie. Just Dune. Uh, based on the new movie, we played that with uh, Trotsky and and um, Justin. Justin. Yeah. And Justin. we did the rare thing that I almost we almost never see in this group. We didn't finish it. Like Ooh. oh, right. That's yeah. We that's one of the rules. You don't you don't. Do that. Wow, you I, I, I agree with it being one of the rules, Wait, but it was my house. I thought I got to decide. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the, the thing <clears throat> was was that none of us wanted to continue. Was the thing? I see. Um, it was. What was the? Was it too random or? It just felt yes, I guess. A lot of the mechanics didn't seem like they worked well. Or uh, I'll, I'll give you one example. There are, let's say, 16 heroes or champions or main people that you can pick. Um, mm-hmm. You pick okay. two of them. And uh, so, sorry, there's 16 distributed amongst the, the factions that we were playing with, right? I had like, okay. you know, 10, Trotsky had three, and Justin had three, right? Um, and, okay. and at the beginning, you are given basically like trump cards, which are like, of those 16, you get to pick two, and those two instantly kill the other one if they happen to be playing that character at the same time that on this round that you're doing this thing at this exact same time. So if you get super lucky, hmm. you just murder the guy. Otherwise, you, it doesn't matter. Uh, so it felt oh, completely okay. random and then overbalanced mm-hmm. with that randomness. Hmm. Uh, and then it had a lot of really deep mechanics, but the game lasts like five rounds, and they go super fast. So you never really have a chance to do those mechanics. Do any of those um, cool things. I see. The reason we quit in round three is that like Justin f- quickly figured out he had a plan to do a thing. He was going to strike early and he did and he failed, which was fine. It played out like it should have, like roll the dice, guess okay. the things or whatever. He failed at it and Trotsky and I combined forces to stop him from winning Um. But after that, we had all kind of used our things that we've been building up for three rounds, which were only like, you know, half hour or 40 minutes and had no time in the last two rounds to build it back up. So we're like, okay, that was kind of dumb for one fight. Um, And that Mm. was it. So it just wasn't engaging, I guess is the word. And we were like, yeah, Mm. we could play these last two rounds out, but no one's going to win. And it's going to come down to uh, who has the most points. coins or something type stuff. Mm, got it. So yeah. And then the mechanic, a lot of the mechanics that felt like they should have been big. There's a sandstorm that goes around the board, but you just don't go to it and it's just lame to use. So has no effect. Mm. Uh, mm. So anyway, yeah, I, I, we didn't play it. We didn't finish it and probably won't play it again. It was pretty, wow. but yeah, that's all I can say about that. Okay. Moving on. That was a lot of mine. Chris, you got anything else that you, you found, hey, how about yeah. some of those AEG um, games that we played at Big Game Night? Oh, I was going to talk about On the Rocks. That was one, oh, yeah. one okay, I cool. played. So it's one I played. Justin and Trotsky and I played. And, and it's basically, it's a uh, if you like Potion Explosion, then you're going to like it. I mean, it's very, the theme is great. I, yeah. I like the theme because it's, you know, drinking. Uh, so it's all about a mixology and you're making drinks and you're using marbles to, to you know, to create the drinks. 
there's a little bit of take that in it. There's some, you make your points by making the drinks, you get paid for the drinks. Uh, you get a tips from the drinks and the tips have extra uh, hmm. abilities on them if you want. Um, and then, uh, and some of the abilities are, are take that so you can make somebody spill a drink. Um, and those kinds of things. So, uh, it was, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was good. It added a couple of new mechanics that, uh, potion explosion doesn't have, um, which were, which were interesting. I think it could have done without it, but it was, you know, uh, it made it different. It wasn't like, I'm just re playing a retheme potion explosion. It, you know, at least made it a, a new game. So yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I thought that one was pretty good. Um, it's family friendly, except for the drinks, <laughs> except part, for the drinking, uh, but drink. it's, yeah. uh, you know, sever the drinking part. Like if you're not, you know, you're not into that, you probably won't like it. But you know, it's very colorful. Uh, the art was really nice. So, yeah, what, I would, what, I would, I'd recommend. Can you make that it one. into so, an actual drinking game? Do you think? Um, I think maybe it would make the game go a lot longer. But yeah, sure, sure it would. It's like just get rid of the cards. Okay, now you have to make this, and if we don't like it, then you don't get the points. You know, something like that. So, <laughs> right. Nice. Yeah. Had little uh, so. Dennis, move, moving on there, you said you hadn't played a whole lot. I, I know you were there for a big, big game night. Can you talk about a game or two that we played there for that game? Um, sure. We played uh, a game called Whirling Witchcraft, uh, which I mm -hmm. described as fiddly. Um, you sort of, yeah. it's a sort of engine builder, and then you have this, uh, the the whirly part of it where you're filling a cauldron with ingredients passing it counterclockwise and you're playing a card and passing your hand clockwise so you're going you know these two opposite directions and then the cards that you play build this sort of alchemical conversion engine where you turn uh, i mean the ingredients all have funny little names but it's like you turn one white and one blue into two reds, a white, and a black, and then that you pass to cubes. your to your opponents. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and those like the ingredients that come out, you can use to to fuel the other recipes that you play out. Those are the cards, and then you have a board that will hold ingredients. And your goal is to fill up the ingredients of the player to your right, in counterclockwise. Because bust them. Yeah. any ingredients, any ingredients that overflow from their supply come to you. And as soon as somebody has five, they win. Um, that's a game that I thought I had won. I had like eight. And then Fox got a bunch from Chris in that last turn and he ended yeah. up with 10. And I was like, okay, well, way to go, Chris. There's way a lot. Go. Wait. Yeah, There's a lot going on. There's all of this, like, it's not math, but it's, like, figure out, okay, if I turn a blue into two whites, then I can use two of my whites. At the, and, you know, Justin's passing me a lot of whites. You can only hold four. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I want to play engine cards that let me yeah. spend those whites so that I always have an empty um, supply when, when Justin starts passing me a bunch of his. Um, and then you just get to a point, and it's... And it's over. Like, it feels like there's some decent amount of strategy and, like, mm -hmm. um, um, sort of a logical thinking with the with the, the sort of alchemy part of it. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, I wouldn't say it felt ran random, but you still have 
you can still only play from the cards that you have. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I sort of liked it, but the, I like engines, I like building engines, but I think that there was a lot of mm-hmm. extra complexity to it that I didn't feel like it needed. I was trying to keep track of like two or three other things, you know? So yeah. I think that's probably, it, it, you know, like they had the little, the little crow thing that you had like, to deal with and yeah. Oh yeah. And that, that whole mechanic that I didn't even the describe point, yeah. because I sort of spaced <laughs> right. out on it, the whole, uh, the whole, the whole game. And it, yeah, it feels like a game where all it would take is one person to, either get stuck in in analysis paralysis or like trying to really really optimize this this uh alchemical recipe system to just mm-hmm. slow the whole thing down in a game that yeah. really like I don't I don't think it's supposed to take more than half an hour. Right. Yeah, and you I, could turn I, the cards one way or the other too. That was kind of confusing. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, I I I can mm-hmm. I agree with both of you that I actually, I, I did like the game. I think I liked it, I want to say, a whole lot. The reason I say I liked it a whole lot is because, like Chris, I like engine builders. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I like deck builders. They're engine builders. Yeah. And uh, this had that. But, like, I have to agree with Dennis. I, I kind of like the word fiddly for all mm-hmm. the reasons Chris said. Is that there's mm-hmm. just too many little things you're doing. Like, I can't just focus on this. There's the drafting mechanic. So, they, you add an engine builder with a drafting mechanic with random cards with that third like potion thing, which was a whole another mechanic that didn't need to be there. So while it was fine and it played okay, and it does have kind of, it feels like a built-in timer that you just, you can only go like five or six rounds before somebody ends up just naturally busting on it. Um, It still felt like there was too much to monitor at one time. Um, and it could be just a little bit lighter. I would I would have taken out the yeah. that potiony or that extra those little procs. I can't even we none of us can describe it. Yeah, no, um, not what it was. That, take that part out, <laughs> and then um, Arcana. I think they called that. Some of the some of the cards had symbols, and when you played a card with that symbol, you advanced that there were three different ones. It was like a book, a raven, and something else. But yeah. you only got Move the bonus on when the second hit, one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah and, when it and, hit an even number, you got some bonus action. And so it add, I mean, I don't know. I assume they added it in there for a reason, but uh yeah, yeah it was just kind of kind of the, and and some the of it could have been game, could have been a UI improvement. Like for yeah. example, they have you they have a little sure. cardboard uh cauldron, which I'm sure they they love and it's mm-hmm. kind of cute and nice, but you put your things sure. in it, it makes you feel like it's you're cool. passing. But it thing, it didn't yeah. make a whole lot of sense that you're passing a cauldron. And and it, it just made it a little bit confusing because you've got this other thing that you're doing. <laughs> if the board had been a little bit more yeah. uh, created differently where you had like a circle where this is the stuff I'm sending my, to my opponent mm-hmm. and this is the stuff I'm getting. So you could actually see the in and out of it better mm-hmm. instead of having pick up cards, uh, send cauldron, put things on top. It, it just felt that's what helped made it feel a little clunky. Uh, so maybe a little bit of UI mm-hmm. improvement there. It, could, it could also had that... It also had that sushi go problem, you know, with passing the cards because we're passing the cards one way, we're passing the cauldrons to the other way, right? Yeah, that's you know, yeah. you had to keep track. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, are these your cards? Are those my cards? So, yeah, that. And, and then who who which, are you? Which, which who are, are you trying cards? to screw here? Are you trying to screw the person you're sending the cards to? Are you supposed right. to pay attention right. to their board so that you know to send them the wrong things, or are you supposed to pay attention to the person to your right who you're you're supposed to bust? I think both, but that just. 
a little bit too much more, right? You're yeah, changing too a lot much more. stuff. Yeah. So not not a bad game. Yeah, we it we, esca- no, it no, we all started saying we liked it. And yeah. Yeah. It, we it is important. Sometimes yeah. we on this show can get bogged down on the negative parts of it. We we it's important that we remember that at the beginning we did say we did like the game. Well, we all own it now too, so I'm definitely going to play it again. <laughs> exactly. That came in. Uh, if anybody was wondering, what yeah, came we, in with the, the the what we paid for the box the the games they give you. The the AEG Big Game Night gives you a bag of games, and the two of the three games we played. One was Tiny Towns, which we saw uh, last time, but um, yeah. two of the four games in the bag were uh, these two that we played. Uh, Whirly Witchcraft was one. The other was a game just called Ten, which is a little bit it's a little bit uno but with an auction mechanic and a push your luck um vaguely blackjack style um um well as i said push your luck like a, a bust busting mechanic um, yeah how'd what'd you guys you, like that you... one what do you think about that chris that 10 game because we all kind of played that one i i i thought it was uh I liked it all right. I mean, it it was um, it was easy to do. Um, had a little bit of thought in it, so it wasn't like I didn't have to make. I mean, it wasn't Uno, you know, but it was mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Right. it was light like that. So, but I don't know. I, I think it was good. I'm gonna try it again. I will try it again. I think Chris, we should bring it something like that to maybe like before we start gaming on Tuesday or something. Like, you know, person just throw yeah. it out there while. We're, their smoke on the porch or something and play it. Right. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I didn't like it, but the reason I didn't like it was the reason I think most people who don't like it wouldn't like it because it's very random. And if you get the short end of the stick on the draw, it's not very fun. Um, mm. I don't think it was like anything. One particular thing about the, the, the game, like for example, you just keep drawing cards until you, as long as you don't go above 10. Well, if you draw a nine, you got one card to, to, to work with and then you just pass and go to the next player. Uh, stuff like that kept happening to me. Or when you would like the next card you draw after that is another nine. And you're like, okay, now I just have a bunch of, I have one cards that are just nine. And, and then other people are getting runs of like one, two, three, four, five of all the same colors. And mm. you know, it's just that kind of mm-hmm. stuff comes up. And of course those people tend to think, Oh, this is a great game. I love it. It's so exciting. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, which they don't, that's not bad on them. Of course it's exciting. That's how, what it's made to, you know, the highs and lows of, of kind of a random draw on games. Um, so yeah, I didn't like it because of that randomness. Um, yeah, and, it does but, have but a I want to play it again. Quality to it. Right. Yeah. So there's, I mean, it, it is a, it is pressure luck and, uh, I think there's a little bit of strategy to it. Like I can see sometimes like, okay, I'm going to bust here because those are going to go into the market and then I'm, can buy those because I have enough coins and you know, blah, blah, blah. But, but yeah, pretty much it's just pressure luck. And, and so that means it's luck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe it, it's our games seem to go on pretty long. Like mm. these kind of card mm-hmm. games that w- felt like it felt like it should be a shorter game, but ours went, went the full oh. length at least. Oh, that's right. This is the one where Fox uh, cut the deck and was take, took half the deck out so we could get done quicker. And Justin was having none of it. <laughs> yeah I, I was right. like i would agree with We're, that that, that sounds one like a fox thing two like a justin thing <laughs> right exactly. well it was the third game we played i think i think mike your table fourth uh played 10 second after tiny towns yes and correct. we played we played uh whirling witchcraft first and so by the time we got to 10 we're like 
I don't think we had even done a round, but Fox is like asking the the guy, the you know person, telling us like, "What's the what's the end condition? How long do we play?" And he's like, "You play through the whole deck." And Fox was like, "Oh my god, what if I? It, does anybody mind if I? What if we just take, take half, half the deck and we just play?" <laughs> right? No, he asked. He did ask. <laughs> uh, yeah, not not a good idea, Fox. Yeah, we, not a good idea. <laughs> we we did play through all of it, but I was I think I was in in Fox's vote. I was like. Oh, cool. So it's Uno. We'll just we'll play this for a little while, and then we can go back. Uh, we can go back. Yeah, but but unfortunately, it wasn't Uno. It does or... it does take a it does take some time, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, there's, and, and there's again, more when, when you're I, sunk on seemed. a on a bad draws, that makes it even longer. Uh, not 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 long like two hour game. It's like long like a forty five minute game, or you know maybe an hour. But still, that's pretty long, you know, overall. Uh, so it yeah. was definitely yeah. longer than than the other game, which was kind of surprising. It doesn't seem like it. It's a smaller box, and it's just yeah. cards with colors and numbers. And yeah. Well, Chris, if you pull out pull it out again, I'll definitely join you. So we'll, we'll play it so we can tr- give another shot and maybe okay. get a, a different go on it. Uh, a couple of things we got in the box there. Uh, for those that don't know, you pay. F- we I think this year was forty dollars for a ticket to get into this thing called AEG Big Game Night. AEG is a company, and they make many games, and that people have a lot of. They sell these tickets to about five hundred people. It's a really huge room that everybody plays. We talked about Tiny Towns is a game that they we all five hundred play at once, and it actually works. It was very fast this year, but it, it all works. Um, at the end of the day, you play through a lot of their games that everyone's playing. They have judges and GMs that are there right assigned to your table to help you personally. And I always think that's one of the best things about Big Game Night is they're there to help you to answer mm-hmm. questions. And they're so good at it. And they're so kind and very organized. It's the most organized event at Gen Con, I think. Uh, and at the end of the night, you... Oh, there's also sorts of auctions. You get a little ticket and there's just tons of raffles all night long that they're doing. Raffle. And then they give huge things away. They gave like, what... Dennis, a full set of Smash Up, something like that, like every Smash yeah. Up ever made, um, which is cool. And then at the end, you walk out the door with a bag full of their games. This year, they had Whirling Witchcraft, 10, Inner Compass, and Cheaty Mages, and maybe another one uh, that you can mm-hmm. you get, which is, you know, you get your money back out of the $40 that you buy. Um, we've always yeah. gone to it, right? I think we'll probably keep going to it. It's kind of worth it. I think you went probably. to it first, Dennis. You were the You and your brothers were the first one to go, right? Yeah, my brothers and I, I don't remember how we even discovered it. Like, we saw signs for it, or we played a smash-up thing that year, and people were talking about it, and we're like, oh, here's a thing. And it was sold out, but they were doing a thing where you could um, you could get in with generic tickets if people didn't show, and that got less yeah. and less viable every year um, to where we got to the point where we're like, okay, this is a thing when tickets go on sale— we're going to get tickets and it wasn't hard to get tickets for it this year just because Gen Con attendance was so much lower yeah. than normal. Yeah. But, uh, but you guys yeah, did buy it first day, now... right? Like I thought, yeah, I thought oh, yeah. you bought it early. I did. Um, yeah, I think pretty early. I, mean, I bought it. I bought like my I said, ticket I was, off you. Yeah. I, I bought, I was able to get one with a plus one, which is, you know, how the system works. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- thankfully you guys did that because we, we had some other guys buy the tickets off you too so that that was pretty yeah. good um so yeah that mm-hmm. was that was that was pretty fun uh overall i thought um well that, that yeah. we're coming in here to the end of our time for the the gen con thing uh overall it was a different kind of gen con uh very mm-hmm. similar but uh i agree if i if i had to, to say what 
if I was going to describe this Gen Con as what made it different, I would definitely use the words Dennis's Gen Con. And for the reasons you said so, Dennis, like it's, it was smaller, thinned out. You could see things kind of quicker and better. You still got a large amount of games, a large amount of things, a large amount of sites and cosplay, but just more manageable, right? Not, not mm-hmm. too much. That's how I would say it. What do you guys think overall? Gen Con experience this year, good, thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you think? I, I would say thumbs up. I, I didn't walk as much as I usually do. I usually walk the floor a lot more, and I just didn't this year for some reason. But I wasn't uh, that tired. I wasn't as tired. My feet did. I was not either. Yeah. Except yeah. I mean, I, I've I've walked the exhibit hall less and less every year, and this year because I was you know going to various ends of the hall with Fox for his um for his uh, appointments his scheduled meetings um and because the hall was diminished from its normal you know sort of capacity and density I felt like I had seen most of it like there were a couple times where I was with somebody and we sort of went up and down the aisles but I'm like this whole row only has five booths and I've seen two of them as I said before it um it's it's it was just like a normal Gen Con, just slightly less, um, which was fine with me. Yeah, was a good yeah way I, I, I agree with it. I, I I will leave in saying that I got to spend while there were less art things. I got, because I didn't run through the big huge art thing because like, it wasn't really big and huge. I got to really look at some of those art things, and man, I just can't I just can't express much enough how impressed I am with artists. Like really good. They're mm. just some beautiful work, some amazing stuff. There wasn't one vendor there that didn't have stunning stuff to show. And and I know I don't always buy or hardly ever buy the artwork that's there, but man, I hope they make a lot of money and can continue to do the stuff that they do because yeah. so impressive. I agree. So impressive. Yeah, I, I never got back to I that booth. never ha- I mean, I, I found the one year, maybe 19 or 18, I went and found the guy who did the Aragorn cards and some others for the Lord of the Rings uh, living card game. Oh, yeah. Right. And got him to sign uh, my copies of those cards, and I gave one to my brother-in-law. Um, this year, I actually bought art. I mean, I bought it as a gift, but um, I got uh, – well, I know she doesn't listen to the show, but I got my little sister a, a um, Avatar Last Airbender print, and it's like all the little – characters and these different layers and there's a ton going on in the in the painting and it's super cool that's cool so cool so cool well i think we did it guys we got another gen con under our belt and we'll go do another one next time and chris i know we're going to meet next uh tuesday for our regular game night and um back to games is is normal i think but maybe we'll we'll pick up some of these new games i know trotsky usually buys a ton of new games and we'll hopefully have some more to report Mm -hmm. on other things we didn't get to play. Yeah. And ho- yeah. hopefully Captain Chris, we can, we can get back with some more, uh, Star Trek, uh, adventures and, uh, ha- have you at the helm again going forward. Yeah, that'd be great. I hope we do. All right. Well, you've been listening to the front porch. This is episode 213. Thanks as always to our friends at geek scholars, movie news and LRM online. If you want to reach out to us with your weird movie suggestion that we should uh, uh, watch and discuss, you can do that via email. The address is frontporchpod at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and use the contact forms there to reach out. 
Uh, if you enjoy The Front Porch, please consider subscribing on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. And while you're there, if you leave us a review, we always appreciate that. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. And I'm Chris. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See ya. See you next time.